Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. What's up, everyone? Today, I have with me Brian Ward of the Dad Up podcast. Really super excited about this conversation. We've been talking a bit, and uh, I know that he's going to share some awesome knowledge and and experience with you. But first, uh, two things I wanted to bring up, which if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard it. We have a big event coming in September. We're calling it the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Big Event. So really creative. Uh, That's going to be a three and a half day uh, men's event. And, uh, it's lining up to be world-class, like seriously, I'm blown away at what we've been able to put together. So if you want to know about that, be in the know, it's very limited to 30 or 40 men. So you'll want to be on the email list and, and that's at brotherhood, fatherhood slash events. There's no oven brotherhood of fatherhood. So brotherhood, fatherhood slash events. And then another shout out to Loam coffee, uh, drink coffee, do good. They are kind of a social giving company. They give kids, get kids in um, in lesser than great circumstances into mountain biking, which can be extremely valuable activity. Get them healthy, and they do some. They have all sorts of really cool pairings. But Loam Coffee, L O A M. Uh, they send me it. It's phenomenal. I have all sorts of different blends. I drink it every single day. So check them out because you're doing good when you drink their coffee, which I love. Brian, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I'm gonna have to try out that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, um, it's it's somebody from my hometown, and now he's he's in Portland, Oregon, and he's really into mountain biking. And I used to own a bike shop, and I really love mountain biking. And um, he's like, you know, I'm posting images of uh, mount my mountain bike extravaganzas and talking about it, and and you know, with the brotherhood, there's a good audience there, and <clears throat> and he's like, I'm gonna send you some coffee. I'm like, that's awesome, and he sent it to me. And it's, it's fabulous. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I get so many different blends. I'm like, I got to learn a lot about coffee. I have some fruity one in there now. And I have the Brazilian, I mean, I have the, um, you know, from Uganda and Ethiopia and I'm like, wow, like I'm gonna have to like put all these bags, grind up a few from each and figure out which one I really like, but it's been so good so far. So definitely check it out. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a, uh, you know, sometimes it's those little, you know, like mom and pop shop kind of coffee places that, that make the best coffee. I was just at one last weekend, as a matter of fact, uh, that I was having uh, coffee with a former basketball player that I coached, uh, just kind of catching up with him and he, and he's getting married. So I wanted to meet, meet his uh, fiance and all that. And we sat down at this little coffee shop in near, our, near my town and never been there, never heard of it. And it was phenomenal. I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to come back here. Isn't that crazy? I, I agree. You just never know where you're going to get the best cup of coffee. <laughs> it's, it's like this. It, uh, it makes me laugh every time I think of best cup of coffee because of this, the scene in Elf. I don't know if you've ever seen it where Buddy's like, congratulations, because they say the world's best cup of coffee he opens the door and he screams it to him. You have the best cup of coffee. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they send me as soon as it's fresh brewed. I mean, not brewed, fresh roasted. They roast it and then they send me fresh, you know, fresh batches. And it's <laughs> what a blessing. Like this is awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. yeah so I, I give them as much credit as I can. There's a bag of it behind me. If you're watching this, it's right there. Right there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then I'm, I'm actually raffling that one off 
So uh, hit up the Facebook page and you'll see why, or my Instagram. Cool. Um, cool. So, yeah. So Dad Up Podcast, really excited. I've been following you for probably a year on, on Instagram and just kind of really interested in people who are focused in on men, specifically parenting and, you know, the, the genre, basically if you're a man and you're above whatever age I'm interested. So, and you, you seem to be putting out a ton of good content and have some great guests. So what got you started in the podcasting world? Well, first of all, let me just say, you know, we kind of transitioned into coffee there for a second, but you know, I, I've gotten to know you for a while now and uh, I love what you're doing. I love the mission that you have and, and you, we, we're like-minded uh, uh, men. And uh, so I really appreciate, even though we've never met in person, I really appreciate our friendship and I really appreciate what you're doing. And thank you very much for having me on. I really do uh, appreciate it and have been looking forward to this. So as far as my podcast goes, I mean, <clears throat> I hit a I hit a place in my life um, that you know I have two boys, uh, one is twenty three and one is twenty, and when my younger son uh, was a senior in high school, um, I kind of had uh, I, I call it this void in my heart that I felt like my fatherhood uh, my my parenting role was ending, even though technically it's not, but I felt like I had done my job. Uh, my wife and I, had, as parents, had done our jobs. They were, uh, my older son was in college at the time. My younger son was about to graduate high school. So I felt like, okay, he's going to graduate high school, go off to college. Now what? Now, now what do we do as parents? Don't get me wrong. I was looking forward to the empty nester side of things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but at the same time, I felt like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do as a dad. I raised these two good young men uh, that are productive and can go off on their own and and know how to take care of themselves. Uh, now what? What do I do? And um, <clears throat> I was talking to a family member about it and just kind of opening up to him about how I was feeling. And it really, it's really weird how it hit me because I've been so involved in my boys' lives, you know, since, since they were born that it just this void that I was feeling, I didn't know how to control it. And it really uh, was making me sad. Um, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to have another kid. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Let's be very clear. But, uh, <laughs> I'm good. But uh, uh, yeah, I just felt like, oh, so what's next? And and <clears throat> this family member was like, uh, you know, maybe you should do something for other dads. Maybe you should like maybe start a podcast or something. And, you know, I'd listen to podcasts. They weren't really high on my radar, but uh, I, I'm like, I have no idea what, what I'm doing to start a podcast. And he's like, you don't need to know what you're doing. Just do a little bit of research and just jump in. And I did. And it's been two and a half years now. And I've talked to a lot of great men, including you, um, been successful in their careers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, that was kind of my goal is just like, hey, we can talk to dads and tell them you can have a successful career and still be a successful father. And I think that's where a lot of dads uh, have a disconnect. They, you know, <clears throat> we have this stigma that's been going on for years of dads are just the babysitter. And that's not, that's not true. And so if I've impacted or if I can impact one family or one um, one dad's life to in a positive direction where he starts to take initiative and be 
the all in dad that he's supposed to be and can be, um, then I've done my job. So it's been something that I have learned a lot from and, and really enjoy doing. And, and really it started off as just a hobby and now it's kind of transitioning into other things, which I'm really excited about. I mean, I'm, my show has been featured on CNN. I've had publications written about me. I've, I've been in the local newspaper here in town. I mean, there's different things that have come up that have just hey. been really great. You've been nominated for like um, a podcast <clears throat> award this year. I yeah, know the, is it the Spark? The Spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Spark Media. So I'm not yeah. been nominated for that, which is great. I voted, um, by the way. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to come of it? Um, you know, I just I was on another podcast last night, and they were asking me, "Well, don't you want to monetize the show?" And I said. Well, I do. And hopefully that's, you know, that ends up happening. Um, but that's not really why I jumped in it. I jumped right. in it just to help men. And, uh, and if more comes of it, great. Uh, I'm in the, I'm in the kind of at the beginning stages of uh, writing a book. And I mean, there's different things that are going on, which have been really great for me. So. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long-form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps, and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me. This product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. Well, I love your story. There's multiple aspects I kind of want to go down right now. Um, but, but let's start with this question of monetization, because I think it's a really important thing for people to understand who are listening to podcasts is that not everybody is doing it for money. Like it's, it's, uh, I didn't start it for money. I started it because I had wanted to have an impact just like you. I want to have, and, and there's a little bit of like, you know, I'm fulfilling my purpose in life. This is, this is something that I am driven to do. And I kind of feel that with you too. Obviously your story leads to that. But what I, what I love about this podcasting thing is we're here to, to, to get a, get a narrative out, to get a, 
to make a difference. And it's okay if money follows, <laughs> like, it's like, it's okay. But really what I've seen is I didn't go searching for somebody to send me coffee every week. I didn't go searching for somebody to send me signs and, and do all these things. I search, I just, we just do what we do and those things follow in the book thing. That sounds awesome. Can't wait till that happens. Cause then we're going right. to have another conversation. And we'll talk about that. Um, and, and this impact, this, this, uh, this idea of your life doesn't end when your kids leave. <laughs> Right. Right. And, and your mission and your, your impact on the world doesn't end when you get that empty nest. And I, I love that you took kind of just took hold of something you had no clue how to do, did some research and stepped into it. But let's talk about this career thing, because this is such a big deal. It's really what got me really focused in about 10 years after I made that error of putting it all into a career and really not being a good father. Um, that it really became a passion for mine. It was like to keep other men out of that cycle. And I think we're, we're kind of, you know, in, in the same, we have the same mindset around that, but you've built this, uh, this longstanding career in the bank industry, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, look, climbing a ladder in a corporate banking world typically can lead to massive hours and, and, and really struggling with being with your family. So how did you do this? That's a great question. And uh, it's something for me, you know, I got out of high school, went into the Marine Corps, spent four years in the Marines. And then right as I got out of the Marines, um, you know, I met my wife uh, when when I was in the Marines. And when I got out, um, we got married and started having a family right away. And pretty much after right after the Marines is when I started my banking career. And for me, it was uh, I knew because of my own upbringing, my parents were blue collar workers and they were providing enough for my sister and I to um, enough that we needed, you know, the food, the housing, clothing, all that kind of stuff. But there wasn't a lot of uh, extra income coming into the family. And my parents worked long hours and I played a lot of sports in high school and stuff. And I can remember as a kid, being in games and stuff and not having my parents in the stands because they had to work. And I knew at a very young age that when I had a family, when I had kids, that I wasn't going to be that way. I wanted to be there for my kids as much as possible. So when I got into this banking, uh, when I took a career into, into the, into the corporate world in banking, um, I wanted to have a job that could allow me the flexibility to be there for my kids. And I'll be honest, Scott, I've been in banking now, the same company for 25 years. And one thing that I made very clear to them up front was, listen, I'm, I do this stuff with my kids. I've coached just about every single sport that they've played since they were four years old, all the way up through high school. And I wanted to be all in with them. And I made it very clear to my supervisors at the time, you know, as my career advanced, I made it very clear to each supervisor, this is what I'm doing. This is important to me. And they were very accommodating. They said, as long as your work's getting done, we don't care what you do. If you want to do that, great, do it. So I was able to do those things. My job allowed me to do that. Now that's not the case for everybody. I know everybody doesn't have that same situation, but you got to find kind of that balance. And for me, there were times when I had to leave at two o'clock or three o'clock to go make a a game because I was the coach. But what I did is I um, I took advantage of it by taking, uh, having less sleep. So I was getting into the office sometimes at five o'clock in the morning. So I could leave at two o'clock or three o'clock so I could be at the game. So I made sacrifices 
to help find uh, the balance between work and family. Um, you're going to have to find that balance. So uh, for me, my, my, my job's just been very flexible uh, from that standpoint. And like I said earlier, it's not, it's not the same for everybody. I, I, you know, coaching high school sports, I see there are players on the teams of, you know, parents that I've never met because they just can't be there. And it hurts me because when players are, you know, when your child's playing in a game, they don't, they don't look up in the stands to see all the fans. They want to look up at the stands and see support. Um, tonight I'm going to a basketball game to watch my nephew play and he's, he's playing in the playoffs and I'm, so I'm going, I'm making that, I want to be there to support him. Um, it's just, family is just super important to me and I, and I'll do whatever I can to, to make sure I'm a part of it. Yeah. You, you spoke to that. Not every man can do this. Right. Um, but I think with the right mindset, you can get yourself to there and you did something that I think is really pivotal. And I, I don't think it's too late for men who have started their career already to go in and say, Hey, look, you know, why don't, um, my family is super important to me. I think it comes down to communication. Now, not every job is going to be like, oh yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a shift worker, obviously that's going to be a very difficult thing. But like you said, maybe start the, go to work at 5 a.m. so that you can do if it's possible. I think where there's a will, there's a way, right? And yeah. I, we hear a lot of men like, well, there's just no way I can change things. And, and that's where I really struggle is like, you know what? You are the master of your own, your own future, and no, it may not be easy. And yes, it may be scary to change careers or go get training for a new career or ask, just tell the boss, this is more important to me than anything in the world. How can I add an, so much value to you that you'll let me do this? Right. Well, that's, that's what it comes down to, communication. And when I when I first started in banking, my boys were very little, very young. Um, that you know, when I went and talked to them, had they told me, Scott, that, you know what, that's just not possible. We need you here 14 hours a day working and maybe sometimes on weekends. I don't know that you're going to have a whole lot of time to devote to these extracurricular activities with your family. I would have found another career. I would have found another job because it, that's how important it was to me. And you're right. Just going and communicating to them saying, hey, this is what is your, this company is important to me because this provides food for my family, but this is just as important. And I think I need to make necessary changes, whether it's in my schedule, hours, whatever it is to accommodate. And listen, you're, maybe there's times where you can't make everything, right? There right. may be some games you just can't go to, <clears throat> but make a little bit of sacrifice to at least have that impact with your kids is super important. And I think you would agree with me that when you can make it, make it count. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Stay off the phone, eyes on what's going on. I mean, I've said this so many times. I, I, I make this study of it and I am guilty of it. You go to a game and you look at your phone and then all of a sudden you're buried. But I look around and I'm looking at dads, right? I'm looking at families and there's always the few that are just head buried in the phone the entire time. And uh, it's just, it breaks your heart knowing their kid is looking for them. And I think, you know, um, fight for your time to be involved, but then when you get it, be there wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. My, my younger son plays, um, college basketball right now. And when we go to his games, I do have my phone out, but, um, I'm not on my phone texting or looking at the internet or looking at my emails. I actually have my phone out because I'm recording him. I'm, right. I'm taking videos, pictures, and he's 20 years old. And I, I'm like, he's, he's out there. Like he's a five-year-old again, playing basketball. No, I'm, I'm videotaping everything, you know? So um, it's, yeah, you have to, you have to be intent with your time. So 
whether it's uh, all the time in the world or just a very little part of, of your time, uh, make it count uh, because your kids notice. Oh, they do. So as a father who has these two pretty much grown adult sons now, you, ha you have a unique position, a unique story, uh, a, a unique view into the lives of many people who listen to our podcast, who are now beginning fathers or they're in their fatherhood journey. And um, you, who I know from, from, you know, my kids being teenagers, every step is like a new game. Like it's a new, there's new things you've got to pay attention to. There's new ways you have to interact, but looking back and um, thinking of all those stages, like what, what kind of advice, you know, from your learning, did you go through any tough times when you wish you would have changed how you were approaching something? I mean, I know you were super intentional, but there's gotta be some lessons, uh, you know, that you can pass on that maybe you wished you would have heard too. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that uh, for me, you know, I, being a former Marine, um, I have uh, grown up to have kind of a temper. Uh, and <laughs> and whether you whether you see me go, that guy got no temper. No, I there are there have been times when my boys were little that I flipped a switch and, and just lost it on them. And I think one of the most important things we can do as parents is um, maintain a level head. Uh, I think uh, my wife really helped me with that. Um, there were times when I wanted to just lose it and my wife pushed me aside and said, time out, you need to go take a break. I'll take care of this. Um, so for dads, regardless of your kid's age, it's important that you've number one, get on their level, meaning eye level. I don't talk down to my kids. Now that I have to talk up to them because they're <laughs> six three, but I don't. I, I I tried not to talk down to them. I always tried to, you know, however tall they were, I'd get down to their eye level, and then I'd lower my voice to a point where it brought their attention, their their level of uh, intensity down. So if they're throwing a temper tantrum, just having a complete meltdown, lower your voice, be calm, and try to take control of the situation. Because if you meet them with the same level of intensity they're going to try to one up you and they're going to increase their intensity. And then that's going to cause you to increase yours and it's just going to get worse. And so I had those experiences with my boys that I regret um, to, uh, being just completely transparent. I regret, I regret those times that I did that uh, because it didn't turn out well and for neither, for either one of us, but my, my wife was really good about maintaining that level head and um, keeping me in check. So had I known uh, that at a much earlier age, um, when my boys were very, very little, uh, to, to make sure I was aware of that. Um, or if somebody had taught me that as a dad, as a new dad, um, I think it would have, it would have gone a long ways, uh, with my boys. Don't get me wrong right now. My boys are two of my best friends right. and uh, I have a great, uh, communication. I have great communication skills with them. We were very friendly with each other. Um, there are times when we still butt heads a little bit, but you know what, those, those, you know, when you're living in a house with, you know, 24 seven with people, I mean, that's just going to happen. Um, but yeah, just maintaining that level head, I think is important for dads that have younger kids, especially maintaining the level head, getting down to their level and um, being calm, regardless of what they've done to irritate you or frustrate you or the meltdown they're having, remaining calm to bring them back down to, uh, to, you know. I guess, kind of a calm sense. This episode is brought to you by the men of Alpha Hippie. Alpha Hippie is the premier men's coaching company, helping the men of Brotherhood of Fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves 
and their families. Alpha Hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top. If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20-year-old life coach. It's a program built by men for men who are ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Yeah, this has been a big, uh, like I've done some polls in my group and I asked like how many of you have issues with anger when it comes to your kids. And it's a very, very, very common thing. And I was chatting with a guy who does, um, it's a podcast called dad work and he does phenomenal work. It's a little more, um, little more emotion type things. And he talks about this, this, his time when anger was his response and the danger and the, and the damage that that can do. And we're all men typically are going to all go through that. And then, but, but what I've learned and what he also talked about is when we have these situations with our kids, we got to create some sort of space where we have time to like evaluate, like, where's my head at? And like, (laughs) how do I want to respond in this moment? And you just nailed it. It's like, bring that voice level down. You, You might have to take 30 seconds to yourself or do some breathing activity or whatever it is that kind of gets your head in control over that anger that emotion. I don't know if anger is an emotion or a response. There's a lot of talk about that. I don't know, but where you create that space because man, there is so much awesome feeling at the end of like, that could have gone so wrong. And I pulled it together and I got getting, I loved getting down to their level. So incredibly important. And then that, that matching the voice tone, bringing that down. I think that's wonderful advice. And I, I admire you for sharing that, that that has been an issue with you and that you worked through that. Because I think men need to know they're not on an island, right? right. We've all done this before them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong, Sad. There's there's still times when we, you know, like I said, we butt heads. I mean, we're yeah. we're but they're grown men now. So uh I could I could butt heads a little bit more with them now than, than when they were four years old. But um no, I mean it's it's great. And uh because of our level of communication that we had with them, my wife and I my wife included, the level of communication we had with them as they grew up um really transitioned to just this great bond and friendship that we have now. And I'm a I'm a big believer in you can be friends with your kids. I've heard many parents talk about you cannot be your kid's friend. Yes, you can. I think it's super important that you're your kid's friend because friends, our friends are people that we trust. Our friends are people that we can go talk to. Our friends are people that we can really open up to. Uh, and I think that it's super important for us to realize as parents, you can be your kid's, your kid's friends. You should be your kid's friend. Uh, and for me, my, my two boys are two of my best friends. Let's dissect that a little bit because I've heard the same thing and I've really struggled with it trying to figure out because I 
love, like outside of my wife, my boys are the top people I want to spend time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and my oldest, <laughs> I have to tell this story the other day. I'm like, I'm so tired of Bryson coming and, and, and he's like doing this thing and we're walking and she's quiet. This was just the other night. And I said, I do that. Don't I? She's like, yep. It's exactly what you do. <laughs> like, Dang it. <laughs> and that's probably why I hate it so much. Anyway, that's a good, a good thing to think about. Like if you, if there's something your kid does that drives you nuts, like do a little reflection in the mirror and be like, Hmm, wonder where does that come from? But yeah, this, this friendship thing, like I don't, I want my son to tell other kids, my dad's awesome. I love spending time with him. Um, can friendship go wrong in your view with a, with a parent and child? Yes. And what does that look like? Yeah, it, it can go wrong in the sense that uh, I'm an, I'm my kids friends that they're, they're my friend. And I would hope that they would say I'm their friend. Um, but for a time there, uh, especially those teenage years are the most challenging. Your kids don't want to be your friend. Uh, they they think they know everything. They think your the parents don't know anything, and they want to find really that teen, those teenage years is when they're trying to find their identity. They're trying to find out who they are. They want to be independent from mom and dad. And where it can go wrong is uh, listen. I'm gonna, I tell my boys this all the time. I'm going to be there to support you. I'm going to have your back in good times and bad. But there's a level of respect. I'm going to give you respect, but you have to give me respect too. And I think that's where it can go wrong. If you start to become too friendly with your boy or with your kids that's to where they're now disrespecting you, that's where it goes wrong. And so I think there has to, re, there has, they have to know that you're the authority. You're the authoritative figure in the house. They have to know that the parents are the authoritative figure in the house. But so maintaining that level of respect is super important. My boys know that I I made the decision, my wife and I made decisions in our home, um, and they had to go by those decisions, whether they liked them or not. Doesn't mean that we're not their friends. They respected that. Um, But you have to give your kids respect too. If you don't trust them, I had a parent to ask me the other day, um, just last week, it said, how do I, my child doesn't think I trust her. Now, I don't have girls, so, but it's the same for boys. My child doesn't think I trust her. How do I, how do I assure her that I trust the things that she's doing? And I told her, uh, first of all, you have to know how to, uh, you have to know who your kid's hanging out with, right? Mm -hmm. Super important. You have to know who your kid's friends are. And I also think it's important that you know who your kid's friend's parents are, because as you said, our kids are basically mirror images of us right? So if you know your friends, your kids' friends' parents, and they're, the parents are a complete mess, you know outside of the home that that kid's a complete mess. They may be, you know, when, when little Johnny or little Becky comes over to you and says, hi, how you doing? Yeah. And she's a, just a doll. And you're like, oh yeah, I love that my daughter's hanging out with her. Or I love that my son's hanging out with him. But he gets out of the house and he's away from adults and he's just a complete mess because you see who the parents are. Um, so I think it's important that we know who the parents are. Um, so I, I don't know why I just went off on that tangent, but <laughs> oh, it's good. It's really good. I'm so glad you did. I, I think it's it's incredibly important because we are we are the ones who can form these relationships and help guide them through like 
um, it, it's been difficult because my, my son's asked to go to people's homes and I'm like, I haven't met their parents. I'm sorry. Right. Like I, I'll, I'll do it. And if he says no, no, then I know he knows that I'm not going to like him. And that's the end of it. That's, that's it. And then another thing you and I talked about in the podcast where I was on with you is um, creating a home environment and a family environment with where other kids actually want to be. Right. And so how did you do that with your kids as they were growing up? Um, well, for my boys, they never wanted anybody to come over here for whatever reason. They always wanted to go over to somebody else's house. And I think it was just because they wanted that, that freedom. They mm. didn't want to be under, you know, supervision of mom and dad. They wanted the freedom to go off. And to, but we always welcomed anybody into our home. As a matter of fact, uh, in next weekend or the weekend after, we're having my son's, a couple of his college uh, buddies that he plays basketball with, we're having them over for, for a barbecue and we're gonna have a barbecue. Um, those, we always welcome our kids' uh, friends into our home. Um, staying the night, if we had, they had friends they wanted to come over and stay the night. Um, obviously, it's one of those things. I still have to know who the parents are. I still have to meet this kid. I still have to know who the parents are. But for the most part, that was never really an issue. I trusted my kids because I knew who they were hanging out with. I knew what they were doing, and I knew the the, the parents of the kids that they were hanging out with. So I've always kind of had had that trust with my kids. Um, and I've told them as they grew up, I, I said, "Listen, I'll give you as much freedom as you want, as long as you don't break my trust." And they didn't. There were times that they messed up. Obviously, there were times yeah. they messed up, but um, for the most part, they didn't. And so, they I allowed them that freedom, and that was one of the things that I told this parent. I said, just give them a little bit and let them know that hey, I trust you, um, and uh, just just make sure you don't disrespect me or break my trust. Mm -hmm. And if they prove that they're not going to do that, then give them a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more until until they're you know pretty much on their own. Um, so yeah, I mean. For me, it was, uh, you know, we did a different activities and then it doesn't have to be always over here. Sometimes we went out, you know, we took his, you know, we took my boys and their friends out somewhere and we did something together. So, um, yeah, I mean, th those, those are important things. I, I, I did know parents that used to, you know, whether they had a pool or they built different things in the backyard that were, you know what, my kids coming, my kids coming over here with their friends. So that way I can keep an eye on them. Um, it, we weren't really about that. It was more about, Hey, if you want your friends to come over, sure. Let them come on over and, uh, you know, we'll have a good time. Yeah. I like your trust talk. I really, really do. And, and, um, it, it the, the idea is hard for many parents because they in, intrinsically don't trust, but there has, kids will pick up on that. I mean, they're so intuitive to that. And, and I think one thing that, um, is so important is setting, telling them exactly what trust looks like and what it doesn't look like. And there's no gray area. When you're here, this is what I expect for you to, to how you, I expect you to operate. If this is happening and it's not within our values as a family, I expect for you to let me know and we'll, we'll bail you out. However, whatever that looks like, we will come up with a bailout plan. And those are opportunities to, to build trust. If you give me a call or, or a, or a text that's encrypted saying like, I don't want to be here. It's not safe or whatever. That's a, that's an awesome building of trust. Now I'm trusting you. So, Hey, look for opportunities where you need to bail out, or you can prove to me that you're making the right decisions until then I'm going to trust you. I'm just, and, and I think that's the thing that parents really, it, you know, it's, it's that there's a give and take that has to happen, but you got to communicate it. And I love that advice you gave to that mom. 
Yeah, uh, no, I think I think uh, what you brought up about a bailout, I think that's super important. Um, some parents, I have hundreds. I know I never had to implement this, but I have had some parents say that there's a certain word or sentence that their child will text them to let them know whether it's like, uh, hey, what's the plans this weekend? That's not what's the plans this weekend. That is, I really don't want to be here. Can mm-hmm. you come and get me? That kind of thing. So there are certain encrypted messages that that you can coordinate with your kids to help them um, in those situations. Yeah, we've worked those out with our kids. They've used them. It's worked well because even like texting or calling, their friends are going to grab their phone. It's just yeah. one of those things they do. And my my son was like, I've had to change my code so many times because kids are staring at me and they figure out my code. And I'm like, well, you know, keep it up. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but the kids kids are nosy and they will you know, and then, oh man, you, your kid does not want to be the one that said, bail me out because that, right. you know, that's just not the position <laughs> they want to be in, yeah. nor is yeah. it as a, as a parent where you want your kid to be in. Cause you, you know, there is a saving face, especially middle school, and those, those crazy years when it is really hard to be friends with your kids. You got to really put some pl- plans into play. Um, Brian, I really loved your, your, um, insight as a father who has grown uh, successful grown young men it's it's a, it's a real breath of fresh air I, I i commend you for what you're doing and um there's people following you which is means i, I can guarantee you've impacted at least one life so you know that mission um and and hopefully that just carries on and and grows uh and just and and yields great fruit. And I know what you're doing is important. And I want to just lift you up and thank you. Um, tell thank guys you how they can find you so they can follow you. Cause I want like, look, this is an abundance mindset guys. You can't just listen to one podcast. There's, there's multitudes of us out here who have an amazing message circle through them. Then you don't get bored. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know what, they could look at us, you know, I have the data podcast, you have the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast. I mean, they could look at us as you know, we're competitors, but we're not, we're, we're, our mission's the same we're here. And if, and if it means we need to, you know, tag team to get this, get this world in a better place where families are in a much better position, um, then, uh, I I'm all in. Right. Um, but where, uh, where people can find me is data podcast on Instagram, uh, data podcast. I'm on everything data podcast on, on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And well, data podcast is not on LinkedIn. My name's on LinkedIn, but, uh, um, but I'm on TikTok and then Facebook, wow. obviously they can find me on Facebook. And then I also have data tribe on Facebook, which is my oh, group. Cool. Um, uh, then obviously my, my website data, uh, tribe is my website. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Instagram and then anywhere you find podcasts and YouTube, uh, data. So data podcast. So awesome. Uh, I encourage everybody to search you out. We'll have all that information in the podcast notes, the YouTube notes, our Facebook and Instagram posts. We try to make sure it's very, very clear. You guys uh, check out Brian. He's doing good work. He's got great interviews and uh, we got to learn. We, we, we have to be on this eternal long lifelong um, mission to learn to be the best parents we can because what we do, our kids will do better in my, if, if, you know, and so if we can, if we can do really good, they're going to do fabulous with their kids. And then that's a generational legacy that you can't beat. So Brian, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate you, brother. Hey man, I appreciate you. Appreciate all the things you're doing and I'm looking forward to continuing this friendship. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.